0: The best part of doing a podcast is reusing audio from my activism stuff. It's actually pretty nifty and efficient and fun. So, welcome to Red Leg Revolution. I am C-Dubs, nominally your host on a normal given day. But this week we're doing things a little different. So, this is Red Leg Revolution, a show about community and we're going to talk about May Day this week. And unlike other episodes, I'm not going to talk so much in this episode because I was fortunate enough to hang out with a bunch of fellow Wobblies to talk about May Day. So, first off, the Wobblies are the Industrial Workers of the World, of which I've been a member since 2018, a radical industrial union who believes all workers deserve representation, and all workers are considered everyone who's not a boss. so even if you don't have a job, you're a worker. Also, I'm really fortunate this week to have a bunch of other wobblies to talk about May Day. What's May Day? Well, fans of the show probably remember my knockoff Labor Day special where we talked about how what we consider Labor Day is not actually Labor Day. May Day, or International Working People's Day, is the, true May, is the true Labor Day celebration, or should be, in America. But it got diverted after a bunch of stuff that we're going to talk about in this episode. So, first off, thank you to all my fellow Wobblies who came in for this call and for letting me record it and run this call. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. We are going to do things a little different today in terms of... This intro is going to be a couple minutes. We're going to run some commercials without any interruption of the actual call. So I'm going to get to that here in a minute, and then I will pipe in this call, and we will talk about International Working People's Day and why you should celebrate it. I do apologize for not getting this out on May Day, though. I had my kids, and I was busy being a dad. So I, I don't have my kids now. I'm hanging out. And uh, yeah, so this is Red Leg Revolution. Follow us on social media at Red Leg Revolution or at Red Leg Pod on Twitter. Like us, engage with us, follow us wherever you get your podcasts and rate us and recommend us and help grow this thing because our only hope is each other. That being said, here's some commercials and then we are going to jump into a conference call. So thanks for listening, and uh, hopefully we will be back next week with an episode about grief. All right, here we go. Some ads. I just got my hours cut again? How can I pay my bills? Yeah, it sucks, especially since they only pay us minimum wage. But what can we do? Solidarity Man. That's right, fellow workers. It is I, Solidarity Man, champion of the working class, and it sounds like you need a union. A union? That's right. What power on earth is weaker than the feeble strength of one? So a union makes us strong? That's right. Alone, you can do little to change your situation, but together you can move mountains, and the industrial workers of the world are here to help. Huh? The IWW is a union for all workers, no matter the trade, job, or career, and we want to organize your workplace. Wow. Where can we find the IWW? In your hometown. The IWW has branches all over the world. Check out IWW.org to find your local membership board or join as an at-large member and start your own chapter. After all, our greatest superpower is working together. I must go. I hear another exploited worker calling for help. But remember, the working class and the employing class have nothing in common. Away! Workers of the World May Day Special, brought to you by the Heartland Industrial Workers of the World General Membership Branch. We're having a little get-together after our finances and, what is it, administration meeting to kind of yeah. talk about May Day and talk about uh, International Workings People's Day and talk about Loyalty Day, and there's all sorts of things to talk about. So, happy May Day, everyone. Let's get right to it. First off, we're going to have Nikki reading a brief overview of what was the Haymarket Affair, because it's really important tying into why we celebrate May Day. So, Nikki, whenever you're ready.
1: According to Wikipedia, the Haymarket Affair, also known as the Haymarket Massacre, the Haymarket Riot, the Haymarket Square Riot, or the Haymarket Incident, was the aftermath of a bombing that took place at a labor demonstration on May fourth, eighteen 1886 at Haymarket Square in Chicago, Illinois, United States. It began as a peaceful rally in support of workers' striking for an eight-hour workday, the day after police killed one and injured several workers. An unknown person threw a dynamite bomb at the police as they actually dispersed the meeting, and the bomb blast and ensuing gunfire resulted in the deaths of seven police officers and at least four civilians. Dozens of others were wounded. In the internationally publicized legal proceedings that followed, eight anarchists were convicted of conspiracy. The evidence was that one of the defendants may have built the bomb, but none of those on trial had thrown it. Seven were sentenced to death and one to a term of 15 years in prison. Illinois Governor Richard J. Olsey commuted two of the sentences to terms of life in prison. Another committed suicide in jail rather than face the gallows. The other four were hanged on November 11, 1887. In 1893, Illinois Governor John Peter Altgeld pardoned the remaining defendants and criticized the trial. The Haymarket Affair is generally considered significant as the origin of International Workers' Day held on May 1st. There is was also the climax of the social unrest among the working class in America, known as the Great Upheaval. According to labor historian William J. Adelman, a single event has influenced the history of labor in Illinois, the United States, and even the world more than the Chicago Haymarket Affair. It began with a rally on May 4th, 1886, but the consequences are still being felt today. Although the rally is included in American history textbooks, very few present the event accurately or point out its significance. The site of the incident was designated a Chicago landmark in 1992, and a sculpture was dedicated there in 2004. In addition, the Haymarket Martyrs Monument was designated a National Historic Landmark in 1997 at the Defendants Burial Site in Forest Park.
0: All right, so. And that is the Haymarket Affair in brief. So personally, I think we should open up this discussion by talking about what exactly brought everybody to Haymarket Square uh, at that time. And I could be wrong. I hope somebody who's got access to a computer right now has got some sort of reference up to check us because I can't do it. So basically, number one, they were fighting for the eight-hour workday, right? And like, we forget that nowadays. We think the eight hour workday was granted to us and that it was granted to us by the government, not by a hardworking labor activists that literally put their asses on the line and got killed for it, right? So number one, I feel like we need to really appreciate that tradition. And in that same vein, bring that energy back for a four hour workday or a six hour workday because the conditions were the exact same, right? You'd work 12 hours a day back then and not make enough money to pay your rent well if you work eight hours today you're still not making enough money to pay your rent and we shouldn't have to revert back to working 10 12 hours to pay our rent we should have less work for more money so
1: um i basically i mean of course i agree because like as you said it's it's absurd that it's been a hundred 150, 200 years since we started fighting for this. At least, I mean, people have been fighting for their rights since there have been people. I'm sure there were feudal uprisings and uprisings and things. But like the fact that, as you pointed out, that like it's getting to the point where you have to work 10, 12, 14 hours again just to pay your rent, just to pay your bills, just to survive. And we're 100% sliding back. And that is, it's dispiriting, but it's also should be a catalyst for change because. Not even to maintain the status quo, like not even to maintain the eight-hour workday. No, forget that. I'm ready to move on to, you know, like you said, the six-hour workday because we, we, there's the research has been done that this shows that people are more productive when they have more time off and they're able to have um, free time and rest time and fix that. And you know, people only do so much work before their brains completely shut down. So it's like, remember correctly, it's like four or five hours before you just don't do anything anymore. So like. The research is there to show that a shorter workday would be healthier for everybody. It would be more productive for the businesses. They wouldn't have to pay you for the the hours you weren't there. It's all over good, except that the capitalists want to keep us working all the time and exhausted so we won't ever go, huh, this is kind of messed up, you know?
0: So, (laughs) no, no, that's that's right on point. Uh, Andrew... can you tell us what the IWW's official stance on that particular subject is? On an
1: eight-hour
2: work day. um it's not really what you would think it would be. Um, we believe that the unions that work in order to get the workers whatever it is the workers are desiring. If they are desiring an eight-hour workday or a six-hour workday, or if there are some who want a 10-hour workday, then that is what the IWW would work for. It is not like the traditional unions that would fight in order to give businesses the power um, that they believe the workers should be there. Uh, basically, most of the workers I have spoken with believe that once the job is done, the workers should be off and the payment should be received. So if it is a project that you're working on that only takes you six hours, um, you would still receive a full day's pay because your job is done, even though the employer wants you to stay around for the extra two hours just
0: so they can say that you were there for eight hours. I actually did a job <clears throat> just the other day for a carpenter friend of mine, and he always takes care of me. And he told me straight up, like it's gonna, it should take you between four and six hours, but. I'm going to pay you the whole day because I drove out from Lawrence. And it's one reason I really appreciate working for him because he is a business owner. He's a minority uh, indigenous business owner, but I don't have to worry about bullshit like that. He's not like, oh, I'm going to bring you in for, uh, you know, one day. And then if I get the work done, he's like, oh, we'll sit around. I mean, I would. I like the dude. We, We get along. We just, you know shoot shit but you know he just paid me when the work was done and that is a 100% how I think it should work all the way around you know so does anybody else have any thoughts they want to throw in on that before we kind of move on down the road
3: definitely agree with Nikki when it comes to people should just be able to choose what types of hours they work regardless of if it's more or less, because some people want to work 10-hour days and feel invigorated by that, but we should be able to make a living um, without having to do that. Um, And uh, also, like Nikki was saying about, like, there's a point where studies show that uh, you kind of lose the ability to be at peak productivity after, um, I read it was six hours, And so some people are like, well, that means we should have a six-hour workday. And I was like, well, what if we didn't um, max out our, like, maximum level of focus time? Because what if I want to do something else that day, like my taxes or whatever, and I still need some brain power left? Like, my brain power is already kind of reduced from brain fog and stuff and and health issues. So, like, I don't want to be, like, pushing myself to both work a job and do my adult responsibilities so why why max out at six hours why don't we just go for four hours and i've seen that uh gaining popularity in europe of the 444 deal where it's a four hour workday, four days a week um and i do not know what the fourth four or the third four stands for but uh, i don't have a way to look it up right this second but um four out yeah four hour day Four-hour week or four-day week. Um, and it just it that just makes sense
1: to me.
0: Indeed. Anybody else got anything to say before we jump on?
1: Uh, I I basically agree. I mean, kind of you know piggybacking or piggybacking. Um, like I'm somebody that if I like what I'm doing, like if I am enjoying myself, I am in a, a routine or whatever. I could go for hours and be fine. But like jobs that I've had in the past where they kept changing up my schedule, what I was doing, you know, Um, I used to work for a big box store and like they would change what I had to do every day, every couple of weeks. And I was losing my mind. But when I was doing the same thing every day, I was fine, you know, and so I think that everybody should have the choice, but right now we don't have that choice. You know, I didn't have a choice to work two jobs when I was working two jobs because I needed the money. You know, it wasn't because I wanted to work 60 hours a week. It's because if I didn't, I was going to be homeless. You know, Um, so it's the illusion of choice that oh, you can work as many hours as you want, but you can't really because you you have to work as many as you can afford to work so that you don't you know stop. And I think that is a, you know, that's something we need to address basically.
0: So let's uh, let's segue this a little. So they were fighting uh, at Haymarket for the eight-hour workday. That was a cause that was taken across the whole country, all sorts of unions endorsed it, backed it. There was all sorts of strikes and lockouts and fights and all sorts of stuff over the 8-hour workday. And as we started out with, a big one happened at Haymarket. So Haymarket, first off, needs to be pointed out real quick because we are the industrial workers of the world. One of the Haymarket organizers was Albert Parsons, okay? Albert Parsons' partner was Lucy Parsons. Lucy Parsons was a woman of color who was also one of the founding members of the Industrial Workers of the World in 1905. This, of course, is like 15, 20 years after Haymarket, but I think that's a pretty cool connection myself. Lucy Parsons is a badass, and I highly encourage everyone to do a little reading about Lucy Parsons. So, uh, sorry, I I, I got on an aside there with Lucy Parsons. So, Albert Spice was one of the martyrs of the Haymarket Affair, and I'm paraphrasing. I will probably cut this and actually edit in what he said, but... Something along the lines of uh, one of his last statements was eventually the time will come where the voices you, uh, the voices of us will be stronger than the ones you have silenced today. And like talk about some action hero badass last words, right? Like that's right up there with John Brown's, I have, you know, I believe that the crimes of this country can only be cleansed in blood type last words. So anyone got any thoughts on uh, August Spice and his badass last words?
1: Talk about anime,
3: bro.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah.
3: (laughs) That's some. Yours is the drilla will pierce the heavens shit, man.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Oh, I gotta remember not to laugh. I keep forgetting that just because I cut the mic off on Discord doesn't mean my mic is off. (laughs) But you're right.
1: believe in the me who believes in you, workers of the world unite.
0: <laughs> Karl Marx would have definitely been an anime fan.
1: If I remember correctly, there is an anime that has Karl Marx in it.
0: Oh my God, I my, may, I, um, I, I'm, I'm going to be an anime fan. Somebody send me that link. <laughs> uh, The Leader, it's a web series,
1: it's Chinese. And based uh-huh. on the life of German philosopher Karl Marx. <laughs> But it was also commissioned by the Chinese uh, community, uh, communist party of
0: China. <laughs> okay, yeah, and we're not going to talk about the anyway. CCP. That that that's a whole other can of worms. Never uh, right. mind.
1: Yeah,
4: right
0: is, it, well, we're apolitical in everything. So, <laughs> right. Uh. So, yeah. So that that was. Oh, oh yep. Go ahead.
4: Well, I mean, just the fact that this is such a pivotal point in labor history and you don't learn about it that in the school system at all, public school, private school, whatever, you're not going to learn about it. It's just baffling. It's just so emblematic of the way that capitalism has really taken a hold of the American culture or, or you know, it's self-feeding cycle, but you know what I'm trying to say there.
0: Yeah, totally. It's like the way that we learn about Andrew Carnegie, how he was this awesome philanthropist that gave all his money away. But we don't talk about the miners and the train people that like these robber barons murdered to get that money because they were trying to organize. You, yeah, that's that's a really salient point right there. I just like that word salient
4: and, and so you look at people like dr. King who gets whitewashed from a you know radical socialist fighting for the liberation and gets turned into a catchphrase that just gets cited by by both parties that is just meaningless and it just is frustrating how absolute how everything radical just gets swept under the board and just we just get pointed to work within the system vote for your rights and that's just not how history has shown that we get the rights that we want
0: yeah there's no i'm i'm a firm believer myself that there is no change within the system and you're right that's that's why we all remember i have a dream but nobody remembers his letters from the birmingham jail or the triple evil of capitalism imperialism and racism they conveniently forget the first two you know Right. right. Anybody else got thoughts on that?
1: I I don't remember ever learning anything about it in school. And that's not to say that I didn't. Um, and I did go to um, lower-income schools for most of my career. Um, but at the same time, like, the, the idea that this, yeah, it, it, it never even came up, you know? Um, so I only learned about it as an adult.
0: I did get lucky And I learned about it in school, but I did not learn about it from the curriculum. My history teacher is an amazing man and was an amazing teacher. And I was really bored in high school. And I remember being like, this doesn't seem right. And he was like, bro, there's this book by Howard Zinn. You need to read it. It's called A People's History of the United States. So I did. And I learned about it. But obviously, that knowledge didn't do me a lick of good in terms of the actual school system. But, you know, if I hadn't had a cool teacher be like, bro, you'd be into this, I wouldn't have learned about it till I was an adult. There's so many of the labor, the entire labor struggle is completely stricken from our curriculum record, and we don't learn about Haymarket, we don't learn about Pullman, we don't learn about Homestake, we don't learn about Blair Mountain, we don't learn about Madawan. we don't learn about Ludlow. All these points where either the workers fought and kicked ass, or the workers fought and were martyred, we don't learn about. But we learn Carnegie was great, and Mellon was great, and Vanderbilt was great. it's, it's definitely permeates our society to the very core. So, alright, uh, let's talk about Mayday itself um does somebody have the article about mayday pulled up
3: i have an article from salt about mayday the history of mayday
0: okay well that that will be great take it away then
3: cool one sec let me pull up the tab one more time okay so this is the history of mayday by steve edwards and hector salazar uh posted originally april 26 2017 to socialistalternative.org the movement for a shorter working day was the first to unite workers internationally against industrial capitalism. Karl Marx had pointed out that within the United States, as long as slavery existed in any attempt to build a la- uh, any attempt to build a labor movement was paralyzed, but that uh, quote the first fruit of the American civil war was the eight hours agitation unquote. In 1867, the Republican Party passed the Reconstruction Acts to uphold the rights of freed slaves in the former Confederacy. And they also passed laws limiting the working day to eight hours. Black workers in the South were to find themselves betrayed as soon as the Republicans had broken the political power of the Confederacy, um, and that the betrayal uh, led to the horrors of Jim Crow laws. The eight-hour campaigners in the north, while their situation cannot be compared to that of freed slaves, also found that the laws they had uh, fought for would not be enforced except by themselves. Winning the eight-hour day would require decades of struggle. May 1st, 1886 was declared by a national union, predecessor to the American Federation of Labor, or AFL, to be the day when workers nationally would cease to work more than eight hours. Hundreds of thousands went on strike and marched nationwide. The biggest march was in Chicago, and the response of the city's ruling class was a murderous police attack on unarmed strikers. The next day, a protest meeting in a spot known as Haymarket Square was also attacked by armed police at this time. An unknown person threw a bomb. This bomb was the pretext for mass arrests and the trial of the movement's leaders who were executed the following year despite massive national and international protests. In 1888, the AFL defiantly called for another eight-hour strike, and they sent a delegate to the founding conference of the Second Socialist International in 1889 calling for international action. It was this conference that organized the first-ever simultaneous international workers' demonstration on May Day 1890. Nowadays, they'll have you think it's just a sail at Ross. But yes. <laughs> the Power of May Day Revisited is the next heading. Just 12 years ago, uh,
0: 12
3: for 2017, but... Between December 2005 and May 2006, immigrant communities rose up in a way that still reverberates today. The impetus for the wave of marches was the proposed federal legislation known as H.R. 4437, which would have increased penalties for, quote, illegal, unquote, immigration and classified undocumented immigrants as, quote, aggravated felons, unquote, along with anyone who helped them enter or remain in the U.S. Republican Representative James Sensenbrenner
4: of Wisconsin sponsored the House bill approved in December 2005,
3: which was scheduled for a Senate vote in March 2006. This created a season of protest. The demands of the immigrant rights movement were legalization for all, full equity, an end to raids and deportation, and a visa procedure that would grant immigrant workers full labor rights. The demonstrations that followed brought out hundreds of thousands of people at a time, coast to coast. These people came from all different immigrant communities and spoke multiple different languages, but mostly were from the Latino community. This culminated with the May Day demonstration, May first, 2006, which drew over 1.5 million into the streets nationwide in one of the largest days of protests in U.S. history 2017. (laughs) The marches doomed HR 4437. Sensenbrenner's criminalization bill never even came to a vote in the Senate. Neither the House nor the Senate version won enough support in either chamber to become law. In 2012, Occupy Wall Street brought new life to Mayday as well. And that's the end of the article. A little brief history, plus some recent Mayday stuff.
0: Yeah that's what's up yo mayday is awesome and that's what i'm saying about let's bring that energy back you know general strikes i want a six-hour workday. you know but i i also realize i'm a bit more radical than everyone else so that's yeah that's that's the history of mayday uh does anyone have any thoughts before we start talking about one of my favorite subjects as a good patriotic loyal american loyalty day but let's talk about May Day first. So, anybody got thoughts on May Day?
4: I, I find it interesting how our day celebrating labor in America is in September and not in May when the rest of the international community celebrates it.
0: So, y'all want to know Do why?
3: Because I, I did. I wonder if that could be by design.
0: Right? Actually, uh, Gro- right. Grover Cleveland. Maybe if that, it's all Grover that Cleveland's might be fault. Like,
3: prevent international solidarity or something.
0: Are you guys accusing the U.S. government of dividing the working class for their own gains? Because not my country, damn it.
3: Pearl, clutching my pearls, Chuck.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes, I'm sorry. I would think so low of (laughs) y'all. But yeah, Grover Cleveland uh, did that and actually he did it in a direct response to the rise of uh, fervor regarding May Day and the eight-hour workweek. Grover Cleveland was also the awesome U.S. president who sent in the uh, army multiple times to break strikes under his administration, most notably under the Pullman strike. He was very much aware that socialists and communists and anarchists were agitating for may 1st to be international working people day and so yeah they were like yeah we don't want people to remember the time that the cops shot a bunch of people and then we hung some people so how about doing it in 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 september there we go it's barbecue day it's not even labor day it's barbecue day you know yeah man we we got boned in that regard (laughs) anyone else got any thoughts on that
3: know that feel when the United States gave actual workers, like Labor Day, International Workers Day, the like Captain America Marvel treatment.
0: <laughs> yes, it's like American it's like, Jesus.
1: People I mean, are allowed to like Marvel, and people are allowed to like that, but uh, I've got issues with all that propaganda stuff.
0: <laughs> yes, it's like American Jesus. Definitely not the Jesus of the Bible, but something uniquely American. Like yes, I, I I did a podcast special on my regular show on Labor Day about how it was fake Labor Day, and I called it the Wish.com Labor Day. But I like Captain America Labor Day too. Like that's that'll probably be next year. <laughs> All right. So, speaking of their efforts to denigrate our class solidarity and our remembrance of our own martyrs, right? It gets even worse. Okay, I can't remember which president it is because it's been you know eight months since I did the research for that episode, but every president, like the past six or seven presidents, all every year, offer a proclamation on April thirty for Earth April thirtieth, declaring May first as Loyalty Day, the day where we all are patriotic and loyal. Now, tell me that that's not a direct attack on what we're trying to do here, bringing attention to, you know, International Working People's Day. Like, it's the insidiousness of the American government. Like, they can't even just try to sweep it under the rug. No, they're like, we really have to replace this. We'll give you guys fake Labor Day, and it's Loyalty Day on May 1st. It's not Labor Day. It's Loyalty Day. Just something you may not have known, right? (laughs)
1: Um, according to Wikipedia, yeah, it was 100%. Um, it was first observed in 1921 uh, during the first Red Scare. It was originally called Americanization Day. It was intended to replace the May 1 May Day celebration at International Workers' Day, which commemor- commemorates the 1886 K-Market Affair in Chicago. It was It is an explicit attempt to replace May Day.
0: Gee, I wonder, wonder why why they would do that. Oh wait, I think we already covered that. And it just it infuriates me, right? <clears throat> every year, okay, because it doesn't matter. And and it, to me, it's it's a really good uh, kind of microcosm of why the industrial workers of the world don't endorse political parties and we don't get involved in electoral politics because every year, <clears throat> excuse me shouldn't be drinking a beer while doing a podcast but that's the only way I do it. Anyway, every year, every president, right? They all make the same proclamation. Even the ones that are supposed to be for the working class, it would mean a lot for them to acknowledge May Day for what it is or maybe make a apology to labor or something, some gesture to acknowledge that again, the labor protections that we have today, we all fought and died for. And none of them do because it's all about maintaining the status quo. It doesn't matter who's in power, which is why you know, I personally say burn it down. But these are my thoughts not the thoughts of the branch at large.
4: <laughs> so this really just brings to mind for me the uh, concept of capitalist hegemony which it's a big word. Um, basically though, it's just the effort to eliminate any sort of discussion of labor rights of any alternative systems within the culture just because it makes it easier for the people at top to if we're not ta- if nobody can even talk about it they don't have the words to uh, discuss the issues they want to bring up, then they have less to worry about and I think that's why to talking like this is important because people
0: need to know about this stuff. I think you're 100% correct there because like it's that old saying, nobody's going to give you the knowledge you need to overthrow them, right? And every everybody in the ruling class, political uh, boss class, you know, billionaire class, they're all the same. They're they have no reason to educate us about stuff that may bring class solidarity and cohesion because when we're all too busy bickering about all these social problems which are important problems but we forget that for me personally and i i realize i am saying this as someone with an an incredible amount of privilege i'm a worker first and foremost because i can see all these other divisions whether it's you know race or gender or sexual preference or uh ethnicity whatever like i see that but ultimately to me right to me there's us versus them and the us versus them is those of us who are being exploited and those of us who are doing the exploitation and it's not even so much those of us who are doing the exploitation it's the system that allows that kind of exploitation to happen that that infuriates me right and it's not for me personally because of it screws me over. It does, but that's not why it's because I love all of you. I love everybody in the world, man. I'm a hippie. Like I'm all about it. We all don't deserve this, right? It's not, I don't deserve this. We all don't deserve this. And I feel like strongly, particularly to the folks in this room, having this conversation with me right now, that we all definitely feel that, right? You know, like we all, we're here, we do this work, not just talking right now, but show up to the meetings, do the actions. We do what we do to paraphrase Che Guevara, a revolutionary acts from a great feeling of love. And that's why I'm here. And I feel strongly that a lot of my comrades that I work with, that's why they're here.
2: I think it's also important to realize what they're saying. We need to be loyal again. They're saying we need to be loyal to our capitalist bosses and our country. Well, at the same time, pulling us away from our loyalty to fellow workers and the eight hour workday. And that wasn't all that the workers were fighting for back then. They're wanting us to be loyal to our bosses, not loyal to the fight against child labor. They're wanting us to be loyal to our bosses, not loyal to the fight for health what which even back then was a the big issue, uh, particularly Greece where grease and other contaminants and pollutants we're getting onto the people's clothing and causing multiple types of cancer. Um, They want us to be loyal to bosses rather than loyal to our communities and preventing another river catching fire like we saw due to pollution. So I think when they say we need to be loyal, we need to be asking what are we being loyal to and what are we
0: being pulled away from? That's an excellent, excellent point because ultimately to me, International Working People's Day is about loyalty, like you just said, except it's loyalty to my fellow members of the working class and to the idea, the concept of solidarity and that we can work together and make things better. Something, something about building a new world on the ashes of the old, right? So anybody else got any thoughts on loyalty day before we start kind of wrapping the sucker up?
1: Um, I just wanted to point out that it was ratified in 1958, and every president since has made a statement and said something. Which means, going back to your original point, we're apolitical because no political party is looking out for us. We have to look out for ourselves as workers and fellow, you know, peoples of the world.
0: All right. So uh, I think really we're probably we covered the majority of what we needed to cover i do think that this since we will be releasing this <clears throat> out to the general public um i think it's important for us to kind of like remind people that we exist right so if you're in the kansas or missouri we also do a little work in iowa and oklahoma we've got people down there to help you out uh, arkansas we've got people if you if you're interested in joining a union right if you're well here, you know what the best way to close this this out. Let's talk a little about the IWW itself, okay? Because we know about the IWW. Probably most of the people that will listen to this know about the IWW. But you know what? If we can reach one person, then you know we're doing what we're doing. So I'll start off. The IWW, like I said, was founded in 1905 by a multicultural, multiracial, multigender coalition of very prominent leftist activists in the time. The IWW is a union for all workers, whereas trade unions organize workers by trade. For example, I used to be a union carpenter. We organize workers by the fact they're workers. And that doesn't mean that you have a job, right? If you're not of the capitalist class, you are a worker and you belong in our union. So we are the heartland Uh, heartland iww branch we're based out of kansas city and we would love to have you come to a meeting or hit us up about maybe unionizing your shop so i would love it if y'all who are here you know just say something about the iww i don't care history your history at the branch what something we've done something we're proud of something we're working on i don't care by the way also, now is a good time to introduce yourself if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself. Feel free not to. No big deal. Just say I'm this voice so people know. I'm, I'm Chuck. I'm C-Dubs. I've been with the IWW since 2018. I ran the branch for a few years, and now I don't because better people are doing it. So, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, so anyone else want to chime in and tell me what they think about the IWW and maybe let the listeners have an idea of who was speaking throughout that?
1: I'm Nikki. I am co-secretary of the Heartland branch for the 2021 to 2022 year. I have been a member of the branch since 2019 when Chuck introduced me to the uh, union and to a lot of different um, concepts and ideas about unionization because I didn't really know much at the time. Um, I am proud to be a member of the IWW. Um, I try to improve our branch every day. I think that there is room for improvement with our branch and also with the union, but I think that we're doing good work. Uh, I think that right now we're trying to get back to basics after the pandemic, and I think we're doing a pretty good job, all things considered. Um, We're starting to really get back in our groove. Uh, We just had our OT 101, which apparently went really well, and uh, I'm excited for new and fresh things. And I want us to continue to expand and do the best we uh, can. I'm the or Co-Secretary for those who are not familiar
2: with our long term. I've been with the um, Industrial Workers of the World since 2011. I joined just after, actually, during the Occupy movement here in Kansas City. Um, I was a part of the Occupy movement where I belonged to the facilitator of working groups. And I have been working with the IWW and held various roles, um, since that time.
4: I'm Sam, um, I've been just a member just since last November ish. Um, but you know, just even in that short time, I I've seen what we're capable of in terms of helping out to unionize and assault and just get to help us fight for our our rights back that we deserve.
0: And we're happy to have you. All right. So, and we'll give a shout out, not by name, to the two members who dipped out. We did have two other members here. We really appreciate their input. Uh, besides that, I don't have anything else I necessarily want to add in except Happy May Day, y'all. Thanks for listening. Check us out on Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, we are Heartland IWW. We have a website, Heartland I. What's the website, Andrew? Heartlandiww.org. All right, so hit us up. And we let's, do Facebook. Well, yeah, I said Facebook. I, I was on that. You hey, said Twitter. I said Facebook. Trust me, Nick. You know how many podcast outros I've done. I know what I said. Oh yeah. <laughs> to those That's of you, fair. to those of you listening, Nikki is my little sister. So, anyway, yes. Check us out on the socials. Hit us up at the website, email, Heartland uh, IWW at gmail We would love to help you bring back that International Working People's Day energy. Solidarity forever, y'all. Thanks for tuning in.